Recently, I've seen a lot of mention of the efficient market hypothesis. I've seen it all over the place. In the comment section of our videos, from people trying to discredit active investing or trading, I've seen a very popular video trying to claim that it was impossible to consistently outperform the market, and then using the efficient market hypothesis as evidence of that. And obviously, it was relevant to the video that I made at the beginning of this year about chart patterns. And by the way, I do know a lot of people are waiting for part two of that video, and it is coming. I've seen all the comments asking about it. It's just a big piece of work, and it's just taken some time. And Joe, the funny thing about that video, the studies that I referred to in that video, and in fact, many other studies about other aspects of technical analysis, is that the studies themselves are often trying to test the notion of efficient markets. They're not about proving technical analysis right or wrong. It's about proving efficient markets, the efficient market hypothesis. So I wanted to explain the efficient market hypothesis, which I'll refer to as the EMH, so that in future videos, you'll be well aware of what it is. And also to explain some of the key criticisms of the model, since you'll find a lot of the explanations online like to present it as a fact rather than just a model and a hypothesis, and not to give the opposite side of the argument. Now guys, this hypothesis is something that has been debated back and forth for decades. So please don't see this being conclusive or comprehensive. It's very far from that. I just wanted to give you a brief view of it all. So if it comes up in argument somewhere or someone's trying to use it to discredit something, you're at least aware that there are different viewpoints. So the EMH has been one of the most impactful theories in economics and finance. Although many people have worked on it or similar theories, it's credited as being developed by Eugene Farmer. The EMH basically implies that all information about a particular asset will already be factored into the price at any point in time. In other words, the prices will always fully reflect all available information. The market is therefore efficient because you don't have any information that's not already available about the asset and as soon as it's available, there is no advantage. It's already factored into the price of the asset. Now, for a long time, decades even, most studies agreed with this viewpoint and found that the markets were efficient. In fact, it went hand in hand with the random walk theory, which means that the conclusion of all of these theories is that there is no way to consistently outperform the market. Essentially, this means that if your returns are above the market or below the market, you are an anomaly and it is just based on luck. Your best bet in any situation is to use an index tracker and have your investment rise or fall along with the market, which for stocks has historically been positive over the long term. Now that's a very simplified explanation of the EMH, condensing decades of work and study into a few paragraphs. It doesn't explain all the intricacies or the details, but as a broad explanation, I'm sure you get the gist. The interesting part is whether this is the case or not. You see, if the markets were totally efficient, you could forget about technical analysis because it's a waste of your time. Now, since I use technical analysis, you can safely assume that I don't agree completely with the efficient market hypothesis. In fact, there's an economics joke which I think sums it up for me. And yes, there are economics jokes, and no, they're not particularly funny, so be warned. So the joke goes like this. An economist and his friend are walking down a street when they come across a 50 pound note lying on the ground. The friend bends over to pick it up, but the economist stops him and says, don't bother, 
If that was a real 50 pound note, somebody would have already picked it up. Told you it wasn't funny. Now the first problem with EMH is that any tests have provided mixed results. There's no conclusive evidence that the markets are efficient one way or another. Although it can be shown that the more an asset is traded, the more efficient that market is going to be. The next problem is actually being able to test it. In a discussion between Richard Thaler and Eugene Farmer, Thaler says that the hypothesis itself is easy to claim, it's easy to say it, but not so easy to test. Uh, like Gene says, uh, it's easier to say than to test. And I like to distinguish two aspects of it. Uh, one is whether you can beat the market. That's the one most people are most interested in. And the other is whether prices are correct. So if prices reflect all information, then they should land on the right price. And we, we can separate those two questions uh, because they're different. Now this debate is a really interesting one and I'll be sharing a couple of clips from it. And it's not just interesting because they're both Nobel Prize winners, but also because they're on completely different sides of the fence. And that's the funny thing about the EMH, because if you look on YouTube or other websites or in comment sections, there'll be individuals out there who are arguing and using the efficient market hypothesis as their evidence or their reason for arguing because they believe it's 100% correct, but yet we have two Nobel Prize winners who can't agree on it or prove it. So it's obviously not something that's set in stone. In fact, Farmer himself said that it's a model and it isn't always true or correct. That's the statement of the hypothesis, but it's a model. It's not completely true. No models are completely true. They're approximations to the world. The question is, for what purposes are they a good approximation? Now, as I said, these two are on completely different sides of the fence because behavioral economics, which has become more prominent in the past couple of decades, actually shows why the EMH may not necessarily be correct. Since people behave irrationally, it means that the market is not necessarily efficient. People may overestimate or underestimate news, they make irrational decisions, and they engage in herd behavior where they follow the crowd. This isn't necessarily going to be efficient or in line with the available news. Like take this clip for example. Richard Thaler gives an anecdotal example of where the markets weren't efficient, and I think it's quite a funny one. There's a uh, closed end mutual fund uh, that happens to have the ticker symbol C-U-B-A. Now, um, closed end funds uh, have been studied for many years. They're a special kind of mutual fund where the shares trade in markets and the price of the shares can deviate from the value of the assets that they own. So uh, this particular fund, uh, although it has a ticker symbol Cuba, of course cannot invest in Cuba. Uh, a, that would be illegal, uh, and B, there are no securities. So it, its holdings of Cuba are zero. And for many years it traded at a discount of about 10 to 15% of net asset value, meaning that you could buy $100 worth of their assets for $85 to $90, which is a good bargain. Then, um, if we look at the chart, all of a sudden, one day, the price skyrockets 
and it sells for a 70% premium. And you can probably guess what happened. That was the day that President Obama announced his intention to relax relations with Cuba. So a bunch of securities you could buy for $90 on one day, it costs you $170 the next day. Now that I call a bubble. Uh, and it, unlike the first case where Gene and I could argue uh, forever as to whether those home prices were rational or irrational, I'm pretty sure Gene doesn't think that it would be smart to pay $170 for $100 worth of cruise ship lines and Mexican companies. And all through this period, there was no change in the value of their assets. So it's not like the market was anticipating some boom in the Caribbean. This is just a mistake. Broadly speaking, this is also in line with the thoughts of Robert Schiller, who actually shared the Nobel Prize with Farmer back in 2013. Well, first of all, I'm an admirer of Gene Farmer, and I think that his theory of efficient markets is a half-truth, so he's half right. It's, uh, the, the fundamental thing is it's not easy to make a lot of money trading. It's a competitive game, and there's a lot of smarter people than you out there as well. Uh, what FAMA did is present some evidence that looked very favorable, like these event studies that he did. It looked amazing, like markets are really perfect. But I think they gave kind of an exaggerated sense of perfection of markets. And when you really get down to the truth, what's driving the whole stock market? Uh, FAMA would say, apparently, that it must be news about important real things that really matter. Uh, and I don't think so. I think the stock market is, the overall market is probably driven mostly by psychology. So if we come back to the point of being able to test the efficient market hypothesis by looking at whether prices are correct or not, of course they may be correct most of the time, but it's also certainly possible to find times when they aren't. And that example that Richard Thaler spoke about was an extreme case, but it's definitely one that's testable. So what about cases that we can't test? How many times are prices not correct in one trading day? How efficient are the markets? The truth is, no one actually knows for sure. But the advice from Pharma is to act as if the markets are efficient when you're making any decisions in the markets. Does that mean you should assume, any individual investor should assume that markets are efficient? Behave as if is, would be the way you'd put yeah. it. Behave as if. Uh, well, yeah. However, if we look at the other way of supposedly being able to test the EMH, which is to look at whether it's possible to outperform the market, then a lot of people for this use Warren Buffett as an example, since he's consistently outperformed the market for decades. And I think it's quite interesting to hear his thoughts on supposedly being lucky according to the EMH. Anom the word anomaly I I've always found interesting on that because it, uh, it, it, what, what it means is something that the academicians could not explain and, and uh, rather than re-examine their theories, they simply dis discarded any evidence of that sort as anomalous. And I think when you find information that contradicts previously cherished beliefs, that you've got a special obligation to look at it and look at it quickly. I did find it amusing. One of these extreme efficient market theorists explained Warren for many 
many years as uh, an anomaly of luck. And he got to six sigmas, six standard deviations of luck. And then people started laughing at him because six, six, six sigmas of luck is a lot. So he changed his theory. Now Warren has six or seven sigmas of skill. So you, so you yeah. see... I'd rather have the six sigmas uh, of luck, actually. <laughs> the one thing he couldn't bear to leave was his six sigmas. In fact, value investing in general has been seen as a way of showing that the efficient market hypothesis is not quite correct, since it's been seen to outperform the markets quite consistently. There are also other theories that have disproved the EMH, including the work of Benoit Mandelbrot, who I reference quite often. But I think that's maybe a bit too complex and deep to get into for this. Essentially, this was not meant to be an extensive argument one way or the other, but rather to give you a different perspective. That way, if you come across these videos where people are using the EMH as a reason to prove or disprove something about the markets, you can at least see that the efficient market hypothesis itself has not actually been proven or disproven. And in the words of the person that developed it, is just a model. So don't fall into the headline reading trap and take the claims on face value. Take care and see you soon.